1: Hey everyone, Mike Wolf here. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. This is the Smart Home Weekly Wrap Up for the week ending October twenty sixth. It's a it's obviously late because the news about Revolve being acquired by Nest was kind of a late breaker. Broke on Friday, I wrote it up on on Sunday, but I also had an opportunity to talk with Richard Gunther, who is a podcaster around home automation and smart home as well. He's a good guy, super sharp guy. We've talked to him before. And I'd caught up with him. Uh, we we kind of did an exchange. I, I talked to him. He talked to me. We're, we're kind of using both both using the recording for our respective podcasts. And I thought I'd use it for my weekly wrap-up. So we talked through the Revolve acquisition as well as a few other things. And we spent the bulk of the time talking about this acquisition because I think there are a lot of implications around this, this acquisition for Google's strategy in the smart home, for Nest's strategy in the smart home. And so we talk about that. But before we get into that, I want to announce our winner of our Smart Home Show giveaway of the Oort Bluetooth Smart Home System. The winner is Tyler B. from Chicago has won. And I'll be sending him out the Oort Bluetooth Smart Home System tomorrow. And congratulations, Tyler. For those of you who didn't win, guess what? We have another giveaway, and we'll be giving away an August Smart Lock. So all of you who have entered be comforted in the fact that your entries are still good. This is a never-ending, evergreen ticket uh, for entries into our Smart Home Show giveaways. For those of you who want to enter and try to win an August Smarlock, the red-hot August Smarlock, feel free to enter by sending your iTunes review of the Smart Home Show or your Stitcher review of the Smart Home Show to Show at gmail.com. Just once again, just email that to thesmarthomeshow at gmail.com, a screenshot of your review of the Smart Home Show in iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast directory you use, it could be Windows, uh, Microsoft Zoom, Podcast, it whatever it is. Feel free to review it and send it in, and that and then you are entered. I will be announcing the winner of that one on Friday, November seventh, so you have a little bit of time. But feel free to enter now and uh, and see if you can win an August SmartLock. You can get the written version of the Smart Home Weekly. By just going to smarthomeweekly.net, and you, and you can find my weekly newsletter where we review, where I look at and analyze the news in the week. And the bulk, as I said, of this week's analysis is around the Revolve acquisition by Nest. If you want to subscribe to the Smart Home Show, you know where to go. Just go to technology.fm. You can also find us in iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. And again, if you want to, if you're listening, you might as well give us a review and enter to win smart home gear and again the newest giveaway is the august smart Lock. congratulations to tyler for winning the Oort bluetooth smart home system i have it sitting here on my desk i'm ready to send it out and uh i'd like to hear how he what he thinks about it i'd like to see how this thing works thanks everyone for listening and here's my conversation with richard gunther of the home on podcast which is part of the digital media zone as well as technology.fm podcast network hey well richard i'm glad to have you on The Smart Home Show, so we can talk shop about the Revolve acquisition. Richard Gunther, the host of Home On with the Digital Media Zone podcast. Thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. There's some crazy, crazy stuff going on, huh? Yeah, people are getting snapped up left and right.
0: (laughs) First smart things, then drop cam. Actually, it was the other way around, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's usually like Google actually was the second one to buy a big Smart Home Play or do a Smart Home Hub Play, I guess, because... You know, if you had to do, like, the mapping it out and who's going to buy who, I would have, like, predicted Google bought smart things, like, if this was, like, a year ago. And not Samsung, but but it's the other way around. Yeah, but I'm, seriously,
0: let's dive into this news. This was
1: shocking to me. And I thought it was basically big news. I, I In the smart home world, it is big news. Um, I kind of put this post on my LinkedIn saying, hey, big news, some guy goes... What big news? They're not selling a lot of hubs. I'm like, well, it's not about how many hubs Revolve has sold. It's about the fact that Google bought Revolve and what that means for their strategy. I think that's the interesting thing and the wrinkle there. And then what it means for the rest of the smart home players that are working So I like the way acquired. you
0: said that. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Google bought Revolve. Really, technically, the news is, just like with Dropcam,
1: that Nest has acquired Revolve, Right. Yeah, because Nest has such deep pockets that can go out and buy companies. I, I like how, I like how Google like is so paranoid about their positioning of this that it's it's not a Google acquisition; it's a Nest acquisition. But we we all know who uh, who Father Moneybags is at this point. Well, that's
0: true, but I, I think if anything, they're using Nest as their smart home brand, right?
1: Yeah, and with good reason. I mean, I think that Google probably has tested this, and they they realize that they have some issues with regards to their. You know, reputation about how they use people's data. They're a data company. They sell our data for profit. And when you start to connect that with people's homes and their life, that makes you a little bit nervous. So, hence, the Nest is the smart home brand, not Google.
0: And I don't think that that's that different from stuff that they're doing elsewhere, right? The the Android stuff really has Android as a brand, and it it really doesn't include the the the. Parent brand Google anywhere unless you start digging. So it's it's not that unusual for them. But I th- I think you're right. I think it is that Nest is the the brand and in some respects really the darling of the industry that that everybody has kind of looked at with with great awe and said oh here's a company that came in and really stirred things up and did things right. So you know why not get some mileage out of that name.
1: Yeah. I mean, it has great brand equity. Uh, I mean, of all the smart home startups, like it probably has the, the greatest sex appeal. I mean, when you look at all the different players over the past couple of years, n- you know, Nest has had, like you said, the most darling, you know, kind of become the smart home darling with regards to the press and for good reason. You know, they have a, a founder from Apple. Um, they've, they've sold a lot of products. You know, I, my estimates have them are probably selling 2 million thermostats by the end of this year, maybe more. And so, for all the reasons, but I would differ. I mean, sure, they position Android as the, the face for mobile operating systems, but you never hear Android making an acquisition. It's always Google making acquisitions. Google bought Motorola, not Android. Right. Um, Nest, Nest bought Revolve, but really, Google bought Revolve. Let's let's all be quite frank about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so why don't, you know, you did a really good job in your post of breaking this down. What What is this? This isn't, Revolve goes on like Dropcam did. This is Revolve goes away.
1: Yeah. And it makes, I think, a lot of people, you know, the, the 10 people who bought a Revolve Hub, kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> one for every employee. <laughs> yeah. Now, the people who bought the Revolve Hub are kind of left out in the dark because they're shutting it down and they're going to treat it like an end of life product. They'll have ongoing support. But in reality, you're kind of left out in the cold. And it's not like Dropcam, like you said, Dropcam. Even though I felt like they are neutering Dropcam with regards to the acquisition, in that they're shutting down some of the functionality, like for example the Bluetooth tabs, which I thought was like one of the coolest things about the Dropcam Pro. Yeah, I was looking um, forward to those. I thought that was really cool. They basically said, "No, we're not going to do that. That we're, we're we're reevaluating our product roadmap," is what they tweeted out to me. And so, but with Revolve Hub, it's an aqua hire. It has all the marks of an aqua hire. They bought the company for the expertise. They're shutting it down. And and if you bought a, a Revolve Hub for 300 bucks, and make no mistake, this is like the most expensive DIY smart home hub out there, really, $300. bucks. you are stuck with a hub without really any kind of company go-to for, for help.
0: Yeah. Now, in all fairness, they are saying that they're going to support continue it, yeah. to provide true, true, true. support. And so I would imagine that even though they're likely shutting down any software update plans that they might have had, that they would – very likely jump on any security issues or something like that. But yeah, $300, you paid a lot of money. That's a, that's a very expensive pill to swallow because part of that $300 was the promise of what wasn't there yet, the promise of upcoming compatibility with devices and protocols and radios that weren't even-
1: they never got to turn on, They never got to turn on all the radios. You got to right. at least let them turn the radios on because they right. had, I mean, Revolve was known for having like, was it seven radios? A lot of radios. Um, And Lutron, I think they had a Lutron radio in there. Yes, they did. And they never turned them on. And so, like you said, people bought this on the promise that they would get all this additional functionality down the road, and it never got turned on. So that's kind of a bummer.
0: It is a bummer. And, you know, I know someone who who bought one of these, and frankly, we've been speaking very highly of it, and and we've always said that if this is – not outside of your budget range, it's a good option because they've created a pretty good user experience. But this is just nothing but bad news for the customers who bought into this. And and frankly, I'm I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm worried about what it does for consumers. I know on the market side this is interesting and we can talk about that a little bit, but on the consumer side, this basically means okay, I Convinced my family I should spend money on this stuff, and now I've bought into a dead end. What are the chances I'm going to be able to convince my family or my my family CFO that I should be spending money again on a different solution? You know, does this does this in some way uh, make it distasteful for consumers who who are trying to buy into this new technology, or on the other hand? Is this a great opportunity for Staples or Wink or Insteon, and and these are kind of all things that you mentioned in your post of this too. uh, Is this an opportunity for them to step
1: up and say, hey, uh, we're here and we have deep pockets? I think so. I mean, but in reality, let's let's just throw some numbers against the wall about how many revolve hubs out there. I I guess that is probably less than 20,000. I mean – all, for all indicators, all the indicators I've seen, you know, you know Julie Jakes wrote, wrote this up. I think Liz Gaines referred to the number of Revolve apps that have been downloaded. You have some indicators that the, the product wasn't moving a whole lot. And that's not entirely surprising because the price was high. But I think this is just the start of this. Is, this is what happens in new markets. And there's always going to be um, carcasses along the road uh, that consumers are, have bought into and, and for some reason or another, the company either goes out of business, gets acquired by someone like Google, and they, they end the product. And in the in a market like the smart home where it's not clear oftentimes to the average consumer, I mean, it's clear to us, but it's not clear to the average consumer what the value is of, of these types of devices. You know, why am I buying a hub to control things like lighting and, and locks? I'm not seeing the value there. With something like this, I think it just creates another bad story out there that could add to maybe what will eventually be a long list of stories. Uh, of products you know that don't make it. Um, crowdfunding project, hardware products that never ship. I mean, I'm looking at you, Goji Smart Lock. <laughs> Are you ever going to ship? <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, I've been watching their updates. They they tweeted out that they're coming out with an update. It's been six months and they they never did. So we'll see what happens there.
0: And I can report that I did get my tile last week. So you okay. know, some of these crowd fund crowdfunding things are happening now. In all fairness, and I say this all the time. Buyer beware on anything crowdfunded. I've actually stopped reporting on new crowdfunding things just because I don't want to talk about it until it's real.
1: Yeah, and it, I think that one of the clear markers, we, this is a whole other tangent. I mean, if they're going to ship regardless, if it looks like they're loaded and they're not an idea that is relying entirely on the money, I think maybe they're worth talking about. And if they have a pedigree of the founders, but if they're like a bunch of kids who got together <laughs> and just created an idea – then chance. there's a good chance they'll never ship. And this goes beyond smart, uh, smart home, obviously. It goes into everything, wearables, et cetera. But right. I, I know we're getting off on a tangent. I think one of the interesting things we should talk about is what we think Google will do with Revolve and what it means for their what, what are the implications for their strategy?
0: Yeah. Now, one of the things that you mentioned is that the hub is a stopgap. And I think we all agree on that, although. I don't know that everybody agrees necessarily on, well, what what does that mean then for the brain? Because there has to be a brain or a distributed brain somewhere, either in the cloud or in the devices in your home, something that resides in the home. Your phone as a brain doesn't work, doesn't pass the babysitter test. So what's it going to be? Well, (laughs) Nest has one. I right. think,
1: Yeah, Nest has one, and there's make no mistake about it. They're going, they're doing a long, proven and tested strategy to put new functionality into the home, and, and that they're doing essentially what is a Trojan horse. We we saw with the gaming consoles, they all became media players. I think we're seeing the same strategies by the big guys with regards to smart home hub functionality. There's make no mistake that the Nest thermostat is going to be more than a thermostat, and we already know that. So it'll be interesting to talk, and I'd like to speculate about what the thermostat becomes with potentially revolved ingredients. But yeah, and I think with regards to replacing the hub or that box of radio, that box of radios, any number of things, right? I think Apple is probably going to look at Apple TV. Why wouldn't smart things functionality move into something like a, like a Samsung smart TV. I know margins are thin on TVs, but why wouldn't you do that? I mean, it just makes a lot of sense to me. So I think that there's a lot of device categories that consumers already are comfortable with and they wouldn't have to add a new box. Uh, so, I think you know we can we can speculate, but I think that that 's going to happen over time yeah, I would agree with
0: that and and i I think there are lots of companies that are kind of experimenting with that now, trying to figure out where it makes sense to put it uh nest i mean from my perspective I think it was the perfect trojan horse it it didn 't occur to me until I started thing seeing things happening with the nest protect and and then, obviously, with dropcam, that hey they are they have something here that can be the brains they have a way of communicating with stuff in your home now the the question that I think we all still have is what does the smart home of the future look like if you have to have one of these devices and then it's working with these devices like the advantage that some of these hubs have is that it'll lets you pretty much buy. Not any product, but you can be you can be somewhat agnostic about what kind of product you buy because it's likely that it's going to work with one of the radios in the Revolve or in the Wink or in the new Staples Hub that coincidentally released just this week.
1: If you if you look at something like a hub, it it makes life easy, and for us early adopters, having a hub this box of radios, like a Revolve with seven radios. It does make life easier, particularly if they've done lots of integration work with lots of different point products around the system. The, the problem is, I think most of these most of these integration most of the integration work is based on a business development deal, right? I mean, <laughs> Revolve has to sit down and, and do a deal to make sure that it works with Philips Hue lighting. I mean, because you know Philips Hue has to use its SDK or whatever. I think we need to get to a world where it was like the the world of DLNA and Universal Plug and Play and for all the the shortcomings of those software standards and that glue that made the 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 multimedia home network work at the end of the day universal plug and play served a really good purpose and now i don't want to make this a standards conversation but i think you know what what all seen all join could be what home kit home could could be i think is kind of moving towards that what nest works with nest could be is moving towards that but i think all these big guys are thinking along those lines and you have guys like Intel jumping and say, Hey, don't forget about me. I'm going to do the open internet consortium. If Broadcom would just stick around, but Broadcom's not gonna, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think like a lot of people are thinking that now. I think something like, and I've been writing a lot about Bluetooth lately, just because I think Bluetooth is really intriguing to me. And this is a whole nother conversation. But when you look at what Bluetooth has from a software perspective um, with their gap profiles, you essentially could get to that world where things just, connect to your smart home without any sort of special integration and i think we don't necessarily see that you kind of can see that with z-wave right you could con- see you could see z-wave products working with most z-wave hubs so we're kind of there but it just seems like z-wave isn't going to be yet the universal radio standard so do you look at something like bluetooth do you look at something like wi-fi like wi-fi do you look at something like thread i don't know i don't know if it's thread but you, i think you got to start looking around and see what's happening there yeah,
0: there's a lot of interesting movement there. I'm not convinced that some of the, the the old standards like, Insteon and and Z-Wave are going to go away or are are going to lose in this. But oh, I, um, I agree.
1: I I just want to make clear. I don't think they're going away. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, but but
0: you know there there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with Bluetooth. Uh, fr- frankly, I haven't seen enough about Bluetooth Smart or Bluetooth LE or whatever we're going to call it. Next week, that makes me believe that even with mesh networking capability, it's still robust enough to do everything that you want it to do as seamlessly as you want it to be. And it still doesn't solve the user experience problem that everybody has to address.
1: I agree. But I do think it could potentially have that, do something in that regard. It could potentially evolve to be more. And it, you kind of nailed it. The crux of the question is, what is the distance that's going to be? You know, how how many nodes do you need to make an effective Bluetooth mesh network work? And that's in addition to you know what is the what are the software pro, profiles that make something automatically join a Bluetooth network? I think it's an interesting enough technology that I think when you talk about the the joining of Revolve with with Nest. You have to wonder if the next Nest thermostat will have Bluetooth in it. I tend to think that that's a very likely possibility.
0: I would think so too. Now, I guess the other thing that I would think is, you know, you mentioned that Revolve had deals in place with, say, the the folks at Hue and some of the other more popular products that can be integrated nowadays. Do you think that the Nest is going that that Nest as a brand? is going to be branching out more broadly as a result of this acquisition? In other words, does this put them in a better place to be partnering with you and some of the brand leaders instead of the kind of, you know, peppering of companies that they initially chose with works with Nest?
1: Indirectly, because I think it's what it's doing is just giving them radio expertise and never underestimate, um, how how complicated creating these these in-home smart radio network devices are. I mean, it, there's a lot of expertise there. And I mean, I think the 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 guy at Nest, whose name has slipped in my mind, said, you know, there was only a few people on, on, we think, on the planet, teams on the planet that can do what they, we want to do. And Revolve was one of them.
0: Right. And Mark, so I think, the co-founder. Yeah.
1: So I think that was one of the, the things that they really saw was that what they had done so far was the type of expertise they needed. And what it, made, what it made me start to wonder about is, you know, they have a vision of Thread becoming an important technology. Does this does this potentially put a ding in the armor of, of the Thread story and that they had to go out and buy Revolve this box with seven radios in it and now we'll probably have to see, you know, Nest do some integration work with, with, with Z-Wave and with Bluetooth and all this stuff. Does this ding that story or do you think that, you know, it was it was kind of recognized all along that they would have to integrate with all these radios and, and thread wouldn't be the end all be all. Yeah, I'm not sure about that because frankly, I
0: don't I haven't formulated my complete thoughts on thread yet. I think thread is interesting, but very much like homekit, I felt like we didn't know enough about it yet to know what impact it was really going to have. And and frankly, it was yet another not so much standard of sorts, but yet another channel that people would, uh, device manufacturers would need to kind of sign on to write up agreements to use. And I just wonder if we're reaching saturation on that and how many of those the market can bear. Now, if they're going to be using more standard stuff or existing stuff like Bluetooth, that could, that could be a good move for them. The, the, thing that's interesting about Thread is that from a technology perspective, from a radio technology perspective, the radio is a common radio that's already in use in a lot of devices.
1: You're right. And for those people who don't know, Thread is based on a foundation of the 802.15.4 radio, which is also the radio underneath Zigbee. And so I think it's, a, and it's also underneath six pan. So I think that's interesting that the radio is already in there. Um, and who knows, who knows where that goes? But I think that we're certainly going to see that IEEE standard 802.15.4 become more important over time, whether or not it's Thread, uh, six low pan or maybe a resurgence of Zigbee. I think it's going to stay for a while.
0: You know, the only other thing that I really want to touch on here, and I, I mentioned this a little bit before, it, how are consumers going to react to this? And I have to tell you, I I didn't even buy Revolve. I. You know, we reviewed it on the site. We liked it. We were recommending it. But the the this change, I, I think it's interesting for the industry. I think there's some cool things that could ha- happen in the market and with Nest as a result of it. But man, do I feel burned. And it, And it just irks me that it's <laughs> Google that's doing it yes. because it's that company that we all bought into the don't be evil thing.
1: Yeah, and by the way, can I just mention – And we mentioned this before the show. I mentioned it before the show. If you're Google and you have these issues with like, okay, what's Google going to do with my data? The first thing they did when they bought Revolve is went out and deleted all their tweets. Like, So if you go to the Revolve Twitter stream, there's two tweets saying, we're happy to be part of a new company. We're a Nest company. I'm like, that was kind of a bad move, don't you think? Yeah. Did nobody at Google think... It's gonna look like we're rewriting history. That might not go over well. I just don't get it. I mean, and I no, I, I tweeted out about it. I was annoyed by it, and I just think it's kind of a—is that normal? I mean, it, maybe it is, but I think it's kind of a big deal. At least it's certainly annoying, and I think it's tone deaf. Yeah, I do
0: too. I was—I was, I was uh, very surprised by that.
1: One last thing about this I, I want to talk about is just what it means for the broader startup ecosystem. I feel like because it was an aqua hire, it was a fairly disappointing exit for Revolve. And I think part of a couple of things were responsible for that. I think that the numbers of Revolve hubs moving off store shelves was fairly low. Like I said, there's some tangential information that kind of, you can put the numbers together. You can kind of do the math that, that says that. But I also think because they were a hub pure play, I think that also suppressed their value. And because I think, you know, smart things, what was smart things? 200 million, I think I may be off on that, but I think it's no, that's right. And but they I, sold product, they sold product. But I also think that was a pretty low valuation. When you look at Dropcam, when you look at Nest, three billion, I think that these hub pure plays, for all the, the press attention that they got, if you look at all the smart home stories and kind of the general tech press, these two companies are always mentioned. And these are really disappointing exits, I think. When you do, if you look at it at the end of the day, they're pretty disappointing. I think that's true, but
0: are we comparing those numbers to the ridiculous acquisition cost of nest? Because I think we all believed that that was grossly inflated.
1: I didn't, I don't. And I can argue, I I can argue why I think it's, it's going to be looked at it with in in the history books as a good move. Um, Oh, it
0: was absolutely a good move, but it struck me as a bubble purchase. Now, you know, strategically, I you know you're the analyst and and I would I would defer to your perspective on this but the the fact that we're seeing companies get bought out for a couple hundred million dollars and we find that disappointing you know it it, it is in the end about numbers and these are companies that don't have numbers it's not like Google where you had millions and millions and millions of eyeballs or Nest where you already had million at least a million if not more of product and, and definitely a, a bright roadmap ahead of you.
1: I agree that the low volumes of, the, of these products were largely the, largely the reason for the low valuations. Now I think if you look at, at Nest they had they had huge growth and I think when you're like a VC a or a guy doing the valuation you look at Year over year, year over year growth, month over month growth. And that was part of the reason. But I also think just when you look back at this, this is, Nest is going to be the very foundation of Google's hardware, connected consumer hardware play for the next decade. And I think that they had this complete vision with a Trojan horse strategy that can allow them to put devices into potentially tens to hundreds of millions of homes worldwide. So I think when you look back, if we look back at a decade, From now and and Nest is a major player in smart home, in connected home systems. That they're connecting with cars and and refrigerators and all these things a decade from now. I just think the history books will show that it wasn't a crazy purchase. It just those types of numbers are eye popping when you see them. But I think overall we'll look back and it was it it wasn't crazy.
0: It makes the 1.65 billion for YouTube seem like the bargain of the century.
1: Yeah, if you look at Google's history, I mean, I don't know what they paid for Android, but it certainly wasn't a ton. And YouTube, I mean, YouTube is the foundation for over-the-top video worldwide. It's like the platform. So Google knows what they're doing with these acquisitions. It's not like Cisco who bought I – mean, do you remember Cisco bought the flip camera and literally less than a year later, I think they shut it all <laughs> shut down. Shut down.
0: I do have half, a flip half camera.
1: A, for half a billion dollars. Now, that was a disappointing – I mean, I can't remember a consumer exit that may have been – left more people disappointed because it wasn't like Revolve with, you know, maybe 20,000 Revolve hubs out there. It was like flip camera with hundreds. I, I, I would think millions of devices out there. Yeah, I think there were millions of flip cameras house. out there. Yep. We have some other news, though. Want to quickly talk about some other stuff? Absolutely. Did you get pre-briefed on the Roost? You know, they weren't actually talking about what it was. Like I think about three weeks ago, I got pre-briefed on Roost. DIY retrofit technology that they said was going to be revolutionary. They announced at the time and they got a million dollars of funding, but they wouldn't tell me what the product was. So, so I said, "Guys, I can't really write much about this because you aren't telling me what this is." It sounds intriguing. Hey, it's retrofit, it's ultra low cost, it's a, it's a revolutionary approach, but they wouldn't tell me what it was. And so they revealed last week that it was a battery, which it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, it's a smart battery, and it goes, I think it is.
0: I think it's clever. I wouldn't it, call it revolutionary. I think I would call it clever.
1: Yeah, it's clever, and you—if you think about it—you could potentially see making tens of millions of devices like smoke detectors smart with this add-in add-in device so that actually is kind of like you said it's it's clever
0: yeah so this is an interesting device right because and and like you you know we're we're not going to cover stuff where we don't have enough information to write anything tangible about it but if you look at this the the use case for this is is pretty slick right here's A 9-volt battery that that is smart, and of course the trick is, is it going to be a good battery? Because that's the most important thing about a battery. But this smart battery has the ability to communicate with an app, and presumably then to anything that they might allow to communicate with it, to... Get notifications like, "Hey, I'm the battery in your smoke detector, and I'm low." Yeah. Or, "Hey, there's an extra draw on me right now, so the alarm must be going off. I'm sensing something." That's pretty cool.
1: It is clever, and it comes with an app. And I think the way they pitch it is, this will be available in multi-pack, so you can envision, you know, I, my house I think has like seven or eight smoke alarms. If you bought like an 8-pack, putting it in and connecting it to an app, you could basically be notified if any one of these things has a carbon monoxide or a, or, a, or a fire alarm going off, and if the battery's low. So I think that's cool. But what's also interesting is it came out the same week as uh, another device called the Leo Smart Nightlight. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, this I think this is pretty cool too. This is another one of those things where it's kind of not making the product itself That you're interested in smarter, but using a device to in your home or or around the product to react to what the device is doing to to be smart about it. I so yeah, give tell people what this is because I think this is
1: awesome. Yeah, it's basically a smart nightlight that listens to and and waits to hear a a, a words from your firearms or your carbon monoxide alarms. And so if you have a firearm going off, and you're away from home, or if you have a carbon monoxide going off, this thing will send a, a little notification to your app on your smartphone while you're at the movies with your wife, saying, "Hey, there's something going on at home." And I think it's interesting. It's cl- it's kind of clever, like the the smart battery. And I think it's kind of we're starting to see a trend here in that we're seeing these retrofit devices that plug into or just understand other devices in the house, and so you don't have to. You know, to use, like, the enterprise term, you don't have to forklift upgrade all your smoke alarms. You don't have to forklift upgrade all your monoxide alarms. You have these other devices that can basically understand them for you and then make them smart.
0: Absolutely. I, I love this. I think this is a great idea. And, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk lately about how there's so much smart lighting come, coming out. And smart lighting is probably the uh, the angle that's going to get people involved in smart home if there are, or if there are safety accessories like this that can work with your existing infrastructure, this may be the thing that actually gets people into smarter home technology. These kind of things that are going to be a, a, a lower initial cost than, like you said, the, the the great expense of replacing existing devices that probably work perfectly well, but then could also be a launching pad for other. Capabilities in the future.
1: I totally agree. I mean, I think about something like like the smart light, the smart battery, where if you can make a gift of that, like you can literally buy a six pack of that and give it as a Christmas gift, and you can have your parents install it. you can install it for them, and they they have a smart home. Um, they have something that can, you know, give notifications. Maybe 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 your parents don't have smartphones like mine, <laughs> and they're you know they're fairly simplistic in terms of their approach, but. You know it basically is a low barrier to entry to get into the smart home, and it it leverages existing stuff and I know that a lot of people think you, you know the future smart home is going to be all about these brand new devices, but I think the retrofit opportunity is a huge one, and so I think this is like really pretty clever, and so I like this new trend we're seeing
0: yeah now, my question on this is well, I have two questions: one is where is this in its development life cycle. Is, is this something that's shipping? Is this going to be available shortly? What's what's yeah. the availability I think of this thing?
1: that it's either Q1 2000. it's definitely not shipping, but it's, I think it's Q1 to 2015, maybe early Q2 for the smart. Okay, so
0: I read that to be sometime in 2015.
1: 2015, exactly. The Leo right. Smart Nightlight, though, I think is shipping. From what I understand, they're actually shipping you buy from their website. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's always that caveat for devices and shipping – uh, this, you know, the smart battery, cross your fingers. I mean, chances are they look like they have decent pedigrees in their management. Uh, so, I, I mean, I have some confidence. These aren't guys; these aren't young guys out of college with a PowerPoint. Um, but, uh, yeah, like you said, sometime 2015. But the Leo Smart Nightlight, if you want to buy one, I think it's leo, L-E-E-O.com. Right. You can buy it there. Uh, if you want to find a roost, I think it's a roost battery. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. At least I'll put it in the show notes, so.
0: And then the second question is, and I mentioned this earlier with the battery, are these devices going to function well in their core functionality? In other words, is this going to be a good battery? Because we're really all used to that once-a-year battery that we replace when daylight saving starts, and we... Usually use Doricel or something like that, so is this really going to live up to that in terms of being a reliable battery and then the same for this <laughs> this this Trojan nightlight is this a good nightlight i 'm looking <laughs> and, and and I know that 's a silly thing to say, but i 'm looking at the website right now, and it shows it glowing bright white and blue two lights that you should never have in a room that you're trying to sleep in.
1: That's a good point. Come on, guys. Think about that. You know, with the battery, I think it's interesting because it is a battery with a radio. And so we know that one thing that really likes to eat up battery life is radio. So I think that's a legitimate question. I think that they said two years. I think I read somewhere that the life on the Roost battery is two years. Well, that's good. But it's an expensive battery. I think it's 25 bucks. So if you put it in the context of a battery compared to those 9 volts you buy at Costco, it's a really expensive battery, but if you put it in the context of, do I want? Do I have to switch out my smoke alarm to make it smart? No, we could put the roost in. It's not so expensive.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Well, I think that's it. That's all the news I have that I think is interesting.
0: It has been a busy couple of days, hasn't it?
1: It has. It's. it's and I think it's just going to get crazier. I don't know what I'm going to do come CES time because it's going to go bonkers.
0: I'm looking forward to it. We'll definitely have to connect again when we're at CES.
1: Definitely. All right, Richard. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you.